0: Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God, our Father, and from our Lord and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. It was just a few days ago that I was reminded of how last year uh, I got my heart broken. It was Saturday, October 19th, 2019. Uh, It was such an interesting day. I remember waking up that day and feeling a little bit anxious, uh, kind of wondering what the day was going to hold and really what was going to happen that night see it was game 6 of the 2019 American League Championship Series and the first pitch was at 807 p.m. it was the Yankees versus the Astros i remember wondering what was going to happen uh, it was a winner take all game for the Yankees see if they lost the season was over but if they won they would get to play game 7 And so my anxiety was high pretty much all day. Uh, I remember even uh, talking with Lauren that day and saying to her, hey, listen, it would be really great if we could do all errands and or anything else that we have for the day before 8 o'clock. Because at 8.07, the game starts and I need to be locked in. Now, of course, an 8.07 start is uh, pretty late, and I knew I had to be here the next morning, which I was. I was with all of you on Sunday, October 20th, but nonetheless, I knew that it would be a late night, but I was ready for it, and the game was incredible. It was uh, as on the seat, uh, on the edge of your seat as you could be for a baseball game, especially for playoff baseball, and, you know, the Yankees were in it. And I remember this back-and-forth feeling, just waiting, having to time my bathroom break so that I could get back and not miss a single moment of the game. Well, as the game went on, it was a back-and-forth battle until the Astros took a 4-2 lead. And so now it's the eighth inning, uh, and the Yankees were the away team, so they're always batting first. And so it's the eighth inning, and it's already 1130 and I can kind of feel the sadness start to settle in, and I'm thinking, okay, uh, well, we're, I guess we're getting close at this point, and I should also get in bed. So I go ahead and I lay down next to Lauren, trying to keep all my emotions and size to somewhat of a minimum so that she could sleep. And uh, the eighth inning comes and goes. No one scores. And so now it's uh, about 11.45 and the top of the ninth inning. The Yankees have three outs left to either tie the game or it's all over. So the first batter comes up and he hits a single and he gets on base. And I remember thinking, all it takes now is one swing of the bat. Well, the next batter gets up and he strikes out. Now there's only two outs left. But the next batter, after an incredible 10-pitch at-bat, hits a game-tying two-run home run. I remember, I get chills just talking about it, just thinking about it. I remember my brother called me and my best friend FaceTimed me. All the joy in the world was being celebrated. At this point, of course, Lauren is no longer sleeping because I am up shouting and screaming and she is trying to shout at me to not wake up the neighbors. So all of the joy, it's a tie game. All the momentum is for the Yankees. I could feel it. It just felt like we're going to win. It's going to happen now. The next two batters in the inning get out, and so it's the Astros' turn to hit in the bottom of the ninth. Well, during that inning, the bottom of the ninth inning, the fourth batter comes up and hits a two-run game-winning home run for the Astros. And just like that, all of the excitement, all of the joy, disappears in the blink of an eye. The heartbreak begins to set in. And then, of course, I have to go to bed, because I was here the next morning with all of you. Now, if you're wondering... ...how this applies to St. Paul's letter to the people in Rome. Well, uh, it's because of what Paul says in chapter 3, specifically verse 23. Paul says, we all fall short of the glory. Now, of course, Paul was not talking about sports glory or earthly glory for sure. But there's something about that experience that I think we can all understand falling short of expectations, falling short of the glory. See, uh, the people that Paul was writing to, he was writing to the people in Rome, the Christians in Rome, but they were from all different kinds of nationalities and social statuses, and so glory had a few different perspectives. On the one hand, glory was to be uh, personified by the emperor, and so you kind of sought after glory in order to uh, be a good example to him, but at the same time, Glory came with the perspective of social status or even nationality. So, for the citizens of Rome, specifically those born in Rome and of Roman heritage, their perspective on glory was really to support the emperor at all times in everything that they did. Almost to glorify him, even as bad as that sounds. For the Greeks, or the Gentiles of the day, uh, their idea of glory, what they were chasing after, was to be more elite than the Roman citizens. And of course, for the Jewish people, their perspective on glory was centered around following the law of God to the extent that it meant that they would always be God's people, and that made them in their pursuit of glory. And yet again, we hear those words from St. Paul. We all fall short of the glory. See, those words from St. Paul are in direct contrast to everything that those people were seeking after. The pursuit of glory, especially the pursuit of glory here on earth, is one that many people find themselves going after. But to be told that you're going to fall short, thats not exactly a promising sentiment. And I think much like the Christians who are reading these words from Paul, We, too, don't like to hear those words. We don't like to hear that we're going to fall short at anything we do. And, in fact, we live in a world that often says the complete opposite, a world that's driven by the phrases like, you can do anything that you set your mind to, and you can be all that you can be. And I'm sure there are plenty of others that I'm forgetting. You can see them on bumper stickers, on T-shirts, even on decorative pillows for your house. These words of of reminders that are, you can achieve all that you want to achieve, that you can achieve any glory that you're chasing after. But I've never seen a sign say, we all fall short of the glory. No one wants to hear that. It's not promising or aspirational in any way. And to think that I'm not even using the fullness of what Paul says. See, because what Paul really says in Romans 3 verse 23 is this since all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. So, let's forget about earthly glory, uh, because if there was ever any glory for us to be in pursuit of, first and foremost, it's the glory of God. And yet, right here, Paul lays out a cold, hard truth for us. We all fall short of God's glory. Paul doesn't sugarcoat it and he doesn't make it sound good because it can't sound good. You are a sinner and you fall short of God's glory. We all fall short of the glory of God. So where does that leave us in our pursuit of God's glory? Where does that leave us, especially regarding what Paul says in verse 24? See, because in verse 20, in verse 23... Paul says, we all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. But then, here's what he says in verse 24. They are now justified by his grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. Paul lays out these two statements that are most certainly in conflict with one another. It would seem that if one of these statements is true, then the other one cannot also be true. And yet, they both are true. That while the logic of one has to be right and the other has to be wrong is often applied to many conversations, even wrongly in our world today, that logic cannot be applied here. Both of these statements are true and both of them are integral to what we believe. And so we have to hold them up together in tension with one another in order to fully understand them. See, while we often give thanks for uh, Martin Luther and all that he did in the Reformation, one of the things that came out of Martin Luther's study of the book of Romans, and one of the practices that he often uh, applies to his study and that we have learned from him, is this idea of holding things in the tension, uh, holding things together in the tension of a paradox. And in order to explain that more, I want to quote one of my friends from seminary who writes about this, who specifically talks about holding things in tension. He says, if there is one thing that Lutherans are good at, it's holding the tension of a paradox. We are sinful people, but we are simultaneously saints. These two are opposites, but they are both true. They create a paradox. The paradox that we are presented with this morning by St. Paul is similar to the one that Martin Luther found when he read Romans all those years ago. And eventually, through his study of Romans and through his recognition of this paradox, Luther comes up with a Latin phrase that I'm sure you've heard Pastor Mark say before, a simul justus et peccator, which roughly translates to simultaneously saint and sinner. It adequately describes This paradox that we are faced with this morning. We are saints because of Jesus, and yet at exactly the same time, we are also sinners. Both of those statements from St. Paul are true, and both have to be held in tension with one another. You can't have one without the other. This is not only at the heart of Reformation theology, but more importantly, this is at the heart of Scripture. And living in this tension... It's not an easy thing to do and yet we are called to live in this tension first and foremost because this tension exists in the context of our faith and then from our faith we can see how this tension applies to other areas in our lives as well. Uh, As Pastor Mark just read to you a little while ago Martin Luther experienced a similar sort of tension during the plague as he talks about uh, whether or not, or what he can do to save lives and at the same time serve his neighbor. And of course, ironically, we're in a similar sort of situation today, and yet we see how tension is applied in so many and various ways in our lives. Even in the pursuit of earthly glory, and knowing that we are going to fall short. We're going to fall short of the glory sometimes. But even then, we are not lost in that fall. See, there are plenty of times in our lives that we feel as though we can never be forgiven, that we feel as though we are not worthy of forgiveness, even that we feel like we've fallen too far short of the glory in order to be forgiven. And to a certain extent, that's true. Uh, We all fall short of God's glory. But we are not abandoned in that fall. See, Jesus himself fell into death. He fell into the death that we deserved. But while we all fall short of the glory of God, Jesus fell for our glory. See, because on the third day after falling into death, Jesus rises again to new life, and in his rising, he raises me and you up. In fact, Every time we fall short of God's glory, we are raised up by Jesus. This is the reality of our lives in Jesus. We receive his gifts of grace and mercy and love, even though we will continue to fall short of God's glory. We know that we are raised up again and again because of Jesus. He doesn't look at whether or not you're going to succeed the next time he raises you up. He doesn't look at your potential future as to whether or not things are going to get better or worse or what's going to happen. No, every time you fall, Jesus picks you up. He raises you up to new life in him. It's not about a second chance because Jesus continues to give you every chance. He continues to raise you up even when you fall short of God's glory, because of his grace and his mercy. Jesus makes us right with God. He restores our relationship with God as he falls into death and then raises himself up to new life and raises us up with him. Because of Jesus, you are no longer only a sinner. Instead, you are a saint who continues to struggle with sin. And yet, by God's grace, through faith, you have been raised to new life in Christ Jesus. My dear brothers and sisters in Christ, let this be the same good news that it was to Martin Luther all those years ago, to the Christians and Christians before Luther, and to the Christians and Christians in the generations to come. The good news that by grace, through faith, we have been saved in Christ Jesus. The good news of Jesus Christ is the message that begins and ends with his grace, freely given for me and for you as he raises us up every time we fall. Let this message of grace reside in you both now and forever.